Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Ruminations on Tony's Tall Tales. I'm your host, Anthony Pavlich. Thank you for tuning in. Tony's Tall Tales is one of many shows under the Ruminations Radio Network, and I highly encourage you to review the rest of the great content at ruminationsradionetwork.com. And today, I'm thrilled to be joined by a, spe- a very special guest, co-host of one of those shows, and part of the trouble of Rumination Radio Network's very own Brevity Box, Triple C. Welcome, hey, sir. How are hey, you today? Man, thank you. Doing good. Excited to be here. Excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, cool. Actually, man. have I been? I think I've been I, one time. I think it's been the one time. I think yes. when we talked about Bond, I think it might have been like the second sort of yeah, That's one of right. the early, early uh early chapters so it's a follow-up <laughs> yeah it's a follow-up part two one year part later dose. um <laughs> but yeah how are you how is the brevity box you want to you want to plug uh plug the show for well, a sure bit? i'll plug i'll plug a little bbx uh bbx has done <laughs> uh really good brevity box is uh for anybody who of your listeners who doesn't know we are a uh podcast of essentially were hot takes on any given subject matter of the day. We recently covered the Will Smith slap at the Oscars and had some differing perspectives on it. And typically we've, we uh, rely on my other two co-hosts, which are uh, Becky with the good hair and, uh, and Brando who, who actually uh, I have, I need to announce to everybody that Brando will be taking a step away from being a host I know uh, it's devastating, but oh. he is a, a incredible personality, and we've got fifty six or fifty seven episodes of of Brando's, you know, just his style and his feedback, and he's a brother and a family member for me. Love the guy. Yeah. Um. So you know, we cover pretty much everything. It's a lot of casual conversation. We don't stick on one topic. So we might talk sports. We might talk food. We might talk current events. We might talk politics. Uh, check it out. We're yeah. on the website along with a lot of other really entertaining content, and uh, I'll I'll plug the website at www.ruminationsradionetwork.com. Go there, check us out, pick one. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, it's such a great show, and you you uh, I really appreciate how you guys have been just banging out the content. You and Cinephile Hissy Fit, man. I mean, I, I admire those guys so much, man. Yeah, I mean, everybody has been doing a great job of just pushing out the content i feel like i'm i'm always uh always inspired to like man i gotta i gotta keep doing more because yeah you guys are all leaving me uh, in the dust and well you've got a very you're actually doing (laughs) i can't say brevity box does the same kind of heavy lifting that tony's tall tales does so i'm not gonna claim it's the same um your content is so much more uh it gets it's it's a learning experience every episode is is meaty oh, and i man. i think we're really much more uh, drive time to work kind of content yeah. <laughs> i'm chopping onions i want to listen to something funny you know yeah, well, it, it's not the same well and i found you guys yeah i found uh when becky came on like such a great um i don't just great dynamic between the three of you and it's been very enjoyable it's been sad Thanks, to, like that she's been you know she was down for the count for a little bit and, but it was cool to, to hear some of the the revolving uh, guest or you know you had Mitch on you had um, a couple other people on that was it was cool for them to and we're going to be doing that for a little bit until we nice. find another person to fit into that third seat um, you know we're looking for a little bit of that same chemistry Becky's amazing yeah uh, and it, yeah, I think is. the thing is it's it's good to have 
you know, people who are professionals and take what they do seriously, but don't take themselves that seriously. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think if I had to narrow it down to what, uh, our show is, it's people who have really well-developed opinions and they do serious work. Becky's a, a NICU nurse about to be a neonatal specialist. And, and Brando does a professional work, which I won't mention by his, uh, <laughs> by his request. And, uh, and I've done a lot of the same thing, but we're all, you know, we're all able to take criticism and, and joke about ourselves and laugh at ourselves. And I think that's what makes it work. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's kind of hard to find that, you know, in a third party. Right. So finding somebody that works with that is going to be uh, a tricky situation, but we'll find yeah. them. And until then we've got some good people to sit in, you you know, I mean, you know, this is going to lead to an invite for you to come onto the show and, uh-huh. and have it be a, a you in that chair, because we, we're going to have to fill that content. And the last episode we had with you on was just fun and interesting and amazing. And I just enjoyed talking to you, which is why I was right. excited to come back here. Yeah, me as well, man. Um, and it, it was cool too, because today I know, I know, I know it's been a while and this isn't going to be a typical, you know, movie review because obviously we've got the, uh, cinephile history fit guys that just do such a fantastic job on formal and, uh, true, uh, movie reviews. But, uh, it was just more like more of an informal cause I know you're a big Bond fan. Um, and you know, I've been wanting to talk about this film for a bit. Um, obviously with with some of the things that i've been talking about with on the show um but yeah man so like first takes we're going to talk about no time to die the the latest james bond film that came out in 2021 uh after much delay much delay uh, yeah which was really crazy to think you know review and think about man yeah that was supposed to be out a while ago and had to sit on the shelf for a little bit because the pandy um can can i point out that that's a fascinating thing about this movie for me okay. you know I, I i think from a like i almost from the from the writing perspective i wondered from the moment that i started putting together some of what what the plot was around mm-hmm. that you know because you wonder why movies get delayed and movies yeah. get delayed by all kinds of different time frames a month uh we're moving it to fall from spring yeah this was years yeah and you i didn't know i had no idea and then you see the movie and it's an interesting thing i wonder how the writer writers felt at that moment where they realized you know the 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 crux of the story has to do with a virus developed in a lab and the delay for that being centered i mean wouldn't you say it was delayed for that reason it was touching too close to reality with what everybody was dealing with, with uh, early on with uh, possibly that's, coronavirus. A, that's a very interesting point that you brought up because I don't think I necessarily thought that much about it until you just mentioning that. So it's very interesting that maybe that had something to do with. It. I wondered, I yeah. wondered about like how, these guys are trying to create a, a, a and look fascinating. And we'll talk about it more, I'm sure. But that's just that you brought it up because it was delayed. Uh, it's a huge uh, expenditure by the studio because of the title, because of the brand of 007 James Bond. And I, I mean, I, you can't help but draw the parallels, can you? You know, I mean, just write it yeah, right, right off when you're putting it together. But then also, too, I wonder how much of it then really I think would would give that either 
more credence or less or just even neutral would be wondering how much of it was already put down in the sense of oh, yeah. how much they had already shot. Because unfortunately, a lot of these big block, blockbuster films, there's, and I think I read somewhere where there was four different scripts that either came, that essentially during the entire production of the movie, four different scripts came and went. And so I'm wondering how much got changed during the outbreak or, you know, vice versa, how much of it was already established during the uh, production. Because it's, it's also, too, if they were working on a timeline uh, for the initial release, you know, they would have been filming already a lot or some of it was already in a can. And then even some of the scripts sometimes aren't even fully completed. You know, they might have a, mm. a, rough, a rough draft, or they might have, you know, bits and pieces of it. But sometimes some of these scripts are even rewritten within the time frame of the production. So it'd be really interesting to see when the pandemic struck, how much of that storyline was already in place. And then, yeah, subsequently what was um adjusted or changed or unchanged so it's a really interesting point that you brought up because i hadn't really thought about it but i would not be it would i would not surprise me if you're right if some of it was related to how close it you know hit home well and i i i have to point out that i'm i'm located in southern louisiana and at the time that the pandemic was really like say the first six months to a year not to get off on the panty thing, but you know there was a, there was a lot of that that think that group think mm. of people thinking, oh, this is a something that was done on purpose, oh, and they yeah. were blaming a specific nation yeah. for that thing, <laughs> and you know it it really f- had this narrative to it, and I, I almost feel like if uh, you know when I saw No Time to Die, and I loved the movie, I loved the movie, and I know that there was some nice. controversy in people who may have felt differently about how they handled certain things in there, but I really enjoyed the movie. I really enjoyed what they did with uh, Daniel Craig and how Daniel Craig managed the character of Bond with the circumstance in the movie. I don't know how many spoilers we want to give away. It's been out for a while. Yeah, Um, we can give all the spoilers, yeah. So, yeah, I really felt like um, the the centerpiece being this virus developed in a lab (laughs) just felt like if it were released on time, people would have been like, see, art mimicking life. (laughs) They would have 100% tied those two together, right or wrong. Uh, Not picking on anybody. I'm just saying, I think that that might have been a a fear of the studio being like, we can wait until this calms down a little bit. But it's interesting, too, because some of it might have just been coincidental because, you know, oh, for sure, this, some of it was, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, if you rewatched uh, Contagion or was that 12 Monkeys, 12 Monkeys, you know, how just it how eerie it felt, you know, rewatching it, oh, like, yeah. almost like we were these these uh, fortune tellers, so to speak, or as you said, you know, art imitating life. So. The meme factories were going crazy. (laughs) I mean, and I love that movie too. So I, I mean, I, that's, I think where that connection came from is, is this why they delayed this movie? Yeah. But well, and Charlie, did you watch it in the theater? I did. Okay. And was it one of the first movies that you did see? Was it the first movie you saw in the theater? Uh, It wasn't the first movie, but it was one of the first movies, mainly because my, 
mother and I, my mom was a single parent for a good period of time. And one of the things that we would do or that she would do to kind of keep a young, precocious Charles in check <laughs> was uh, during the weekends, She we would go and catch a couple of matinees. And nice. in between them, we would have always have like a, a restaurant style hamburger. Nice. Right. Like we would go somewhere, sit down, have a hamburger, talk about the movie, break down the movie. My mother loves movies. And she passed that affection on to me. And um, and I I love the ritual of going oh, cool. to the movie theater. And and, you know, I love that whole experience. Uh, I, I, I have a real I, you know, I have different expectations for different kinds of movies, for instance. And Bond was one of those films that. I just felt compelled that I had to get my mom who lives nearby to go and see with me, you know, and to enjoy a, a James Bond movie in the theater. And it was, I mean, you know, it was fantastic. It was everything you would want it to be. Um, and we, we, we've done that with other movies since, you know, any, any title movie like a West side story, that was one we went and saw, but Bond, those big films are things that I, I like to go back and relive that that rich, that ritual experience with her. We don't go to multiple matinees, but we definitely went and saw Bond, had the popcorn, had the Cokes, and uh, went and had a burger afterwards just to kind of relive That's those awesome. same steps. But yeah, I saw it in the theater, and it was moving, moving. That's so cool because I, I always – it's very easy for me to forget that the the theater experience how much of uh an experience that is still for people you know and hearing you re, you know speak about it being like a, a ritual that you kind of had for you know when you're when you're a kid or younger it's it's just i it's easy to forget that for some people the theater experience is something that they look forward to still today um Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think people are missing out. I, and, and to be fair, on the other side of the fence, I don't know that every movie delivers on that. Yeah. Right? I, I, there are definitely movies where I'm like, <laughs> I'll wait, I'll watch that yeah. on Netflix, <laughs> or I'll see that when it comes to my living room. But uh, movies like, I don't know. I don't know how to, I, there's a lot of reasons, right? But when you have a studio putting that kind of money into production, it feels like the intent is to see it in that format in that in that setting yeah you know the best way to get the most out of it to get the director's like intention is to see it in the theater and and i almost feel uh you know i'm so appreciative of that kind of creativity and that kind of work that gets put into it i almost feel like i'm indebted to 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 do my end of it right i want to buy mm -hmm. the ticket i want to go and eat the popcorn and and watch the movie with just absolute astonishment and have it deliver the entire ride you know the the entire emotional ebbs and flows and and same thing with with different kinds of movies deliver whether that's action excitement horror fear fun uh sadness where you can feel the in this movie you know, something I, I really felt like they did an amazing job at delivering something that no Bond film that I had ever seen had done in seeing a character like Bond deal with personal sacrifice 
And that's, that's, I mean, I cherish that those few moments of film, you know, I feel like that's not the same. If I were to watch it in my living room, I would still be connected and emotionally drawn, but it's not the, the, the magistry of, of seeing it on a, on a huge screen with the right sound and, and enjoying it that way for yeah, me. That's fascinating. Cause uh, not to get too off, uh, off the, the tracks, but it, it just kind of, as you're speaking, it's interesting. And then what, what's going to happen with this seems like this divide or this uh, chasm that's starting to open up between um, the theater houses, you know, and what's going to happen when, sure. You know, since everything is so much streaming now, or that that seems to be the distribution channel, uh, what is going to happen with with the uh, the theater houses and that that experience? You know, what what it's going to look like in the next five to ten years? How drastically different it's going to be than what we're you know we've experienced before in the past? I I, I really hope that, um, and and no knock to any of the the group of films that still garners that kind of uh ticket sales for theaters i love the marvel movies those are great it's fine it's a different experience than bond and i feel like you need you need films like bond and to be fair you need the small films to have a theater presence as well i just feel like that's a that's a ritual maybe some of the younger generations just haven't had to connect with Right, it's everything is so at, at on their phone. Yeah, everything's so accessible. It's so their, accessible in their, in their phones and their devices that the the movie going experience isn't something that they're kind of introduced to. You know. Yeah, anymore. I agree with you, and I think there's something. I think that there is something missed when uh, it could be the same movie. I think it's still a different experience seeing it yeah. in the theater. I really do. Yeah, and I think you know when I try to. Re- reflect on some of the greatest experience movie going experiences that i had it it seems like those they did fit to that that spectacle that you're talking about the large screen the, the sound the the community the communal aspect of it so and then yeah it fits for some maybe presentations and maybe not so much others um it was really interesting too listening to uh your guys's episode with don and what he was talking about what the potential could be coming down the pike even oh, just sure, as early yeah. as this year about you know the studio is actually buying up the theaters and they turn it into their own sort of you know personalized distribution uh theater house i don't think they want to lose that and i hope they don't i i, I mean no time to die being delayed didn't affect how many people went to see it People wanted to see it in the theater, and it was kind of what I'm referencing. I think even for for, I mean, I I don't think you had to have a mom that took you to the movies when you were a kid to appreciate the again the majesty of that movie going experience. It's incredible. It was incredible from the moment the film started rolling until <laughs> the very end, and it wasn't a short easy movie i mean the movie was i don't fat with luxury you know what i mean you went to a lot of different locations you got to see um and i mean maybe this started with earlier bonds like skyfall following the arc of those movies for this one storyline following this daniel craig specific bond yeah no time to die really took you 
on a journey to uh, through a, uh, I, I mean, it's hard for me. I think you'll probably do better at describing how the kind of place it takes you with the character. It, I think maybe that's the, for me, it, it gave me a view of the man, not just the agent. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's what all those movies did to some degree, but this one really did really. Well, and I think that's part of what Craig was able to bring. I think like you were saying, like, because he's had this journey with his character for, you know, this many years now, um, he did seem like much more, I wouldn't say emotional, but there was definitely some vulnerability. And I think a little bit what you were talking about towards the end were the sacrifice, you know, he, he did seem a lot more human. You know, um, you could see past that veneer a little bit of just the agent um, more so in this film, probably than in any of the other films. So, yeah, it was very interesting. So I'm guessing then that you it impacted you. Did you see it just the one time? I've seen it more than once, but the first time I saw it in the theater. Okay. I didn't see it again in the theater. Fantastic, because it's very it's, it's very interesting. So what you, you've already expressed a little bit about it. In, what was the first thing that you noticed about the film during that first viewing? You know, you're saying it was very moving. What were some aspects of it that kind of just that grabbed? I like. I, I mean, for me, the the thing, you know, there was a huge rumor mill before yeah. the movie really released about uh, new James Bonds and female James Bond, and uh, you know, I, I I think I I was for the first time i think for in most other bond movies my confusion about what was going to happen next came in the middle of the film mm. you know i you could kind of assess what was going on early but it was in the middle we were like okay now i, I you know what's going on where are we going to go where are they taking me that feeling came at the beginning of this one starting off with you kind of wondering they uh, they're bringing the antagonist character in sort of a flashback way and you really you know they did a good job of getting me on the edge of my seat early oh interesting okay and and that didn't uh that's not and maybe i'm cutting out some great pierce brosnan version of the movie that i'm not remembering <laughs> or, or, or timothy dalton or something but no i mean roger i mean this is a roger craig um <laughs> yeah I, I i don't remember a movie having that mood and i know other daniel craig ones had a a, a mood but there was always that very significant uh you know bond moment to kick it off kind of movie and this one was much more uh, i don't know somber darker mm -hmm. and not really sure what was going to happen from the beginning yeah and i think i read too that this was the longest pre-credits or pre-title um intro in yeah. all of the films um, so yeah, it was like 24 minutes, I think was the pre pre title. And, uh, and, intro. and, and the, and the end of that 24 minutes, you're like, you're, you're really wondering what the hell's going on. Yeah. And what's really interesting is that, so, so did you off the bat, did you kind of, then it seemed like it gripped you in the beginning. So did you have any sort of, um, 
wouldn't say confusions, but were there any elements in the writing or in the movie that felt confusing or didn't make a lot of sense to you in that first viewing? I want to, when I say, I'm going to say there was elements that were confusing, but I don't want to use that as a, like I'm saying something was wrong. There, there are certainly, there are movies where I like that. Like, I, I think that that played into my overall happiness at the end of the movie. Mm. Cause I, I, you know, I don't need to know. I, I like a movie to trust the audience to go along with the story and wait for the answers to be given to them. Cause I didn't put everything together in the beginning. I liked that. I didn't know. And I was able to remember the questions that I had at the, after that first 24 minutes and have it sort of carry through. Yeah. And, and, and I think that was part of what made the last, like the third act of the movie felt like I was, at least for me, like things were occurring and becoming clear to me as they were becoming clear to the the main protagonist, not yeah. just Bond himself, but to the other 007 and, and to what was going on in the movie. Like, I, I, I felt like that's, I don't know how, I don't know enough about uh, writing to know how they could have managed to perceive that that was the case, but it felt at the end of the movie, like that was the intention that it was supposed to be the, the reveals were supposed to happen to me at the same time that they're happening to the characters on the, on the screen. And that created a, I felt like a really unique experience for a bond movie. You know, because I don't know that that's really been the case. More so with, again, more so with Daniel Craig. But if you're a a lifelong Bond fan, I you can't, in my opinion, can't argue that that's something they've really pulled off. Like you kind of know, here's what's going on. Here's the bad guy. How's he going to stop him? And then and then the surprise is how he stops him, right? Or, or or something to that level. In this case, I I really it. Like when it became clear to Bond what was going on, it was just becoming clear, I think, to the audience. And I really enjoyed that. Cool. Yeah, it was very interesting because my experience with the film, it was so fascinating. This is why I'm very uh, asking some of the questions because it was so fascinating to experience when I first saw the film. And yeah, I did not see it in theaters. So I saw it at home. And that's interesting to me. Yeah. I'm surprised by that answer, actually. I'm surprised you didn't see it. Yeah. And I think it was a combination of because of the stuff I've been dealing with, but also too, I think the, the outbreaks still happening, um, not going outside to the theater and kind of dealing with that whole thing. I ended up waiting until it was available for rent and I just, I rented it and streamed it at home. And it was interesting because I watched it with my wife and we, the first viewing was almost, I didn't like it. I really? didn't like the film. Yeah, I was kind of turned off by it. I think there was a combination of, it wasn't so much didn't understand, but it didn't, there's, this is the thing that I'm trying to like distill is, it wasn't so much an understanding of not knowing what's going on, but I think clarity in, in bits of information that a writer provides, you know, whether it be, um, you know, what was happening with, um, the element with the henchmen, 
you know, he's got this yeah. eye and then he's then showing up at this event. They're taking DNA samples. They're using this thing that they, this, uh, you know, uh, virus that they picked up. And there's these little elements that aren't necessarily, I'm not saying that you have to explain everything or, you know, indulge your audience in huge amounts of exposition or, you know, just dumb it down for them. You don't have to do that. But it felt like there was elements that were just not clear as to how the connections were being made. Like then all of a sudden he's showing, he's showing up in this place. And what was he trying to get from this place? Like, who was he? Why was he? That's fair. No, yeah, I don't it, know that. I don't know that that's unfair. You know, I, I think you're right. When it, when you're talking about a, a DNA based virus, like it for, for, if we haven't made that clear, if you haven't seen the movie, <laughs> uh, the, the virus is like, oriented to a specific genetic marker yes and that is a big part of the movie and it's a big uh, moment of surprise when he shows when bond shows up at a basically the big gathering of evil geniuses you know it's like <laughs> the turn of events there is not quite what you expect and it does kind of ex- it you're right because they don't have that um uh, that line where they, you know, there's not a big reveal in the middle of the movie of the evil guy going, my genetically modified virus will do this. You know, it's yes. not like he's twisting his mustache and, and giving you the reveal on it. So you're right. There was some gray area for sure. And it is like there was that one element, too. And I didn't I didn't notice it, too, because we're also there was the scene where he then shows up. I think it was at Q's and he puts in the thumb drive and it's like, where did that fucking thumb drive come from? Right. And it's like, you didn't. And on the second view, it's like, Oh, he picked it up from the ground when he's with, um, the, the agent in a passing that. moment. Exactly. And so it was like little things like that. The toothbrush was another thing. Like if you didn't had to catch that, like they grabbed the toothbrush from Jamaica. So that was bonds toothbrush. That's how right. they were getting the DNA. And, there and also to the whole it didn't seem too like felix when he asked him to another uh, this is one of the examples that i think i really keyed in on when he asked him to um i need you brother to to meet with this this person this contact great actor yeah i fucking love i love him so good um but it just it didn't seem like the stakes were high enough it just almost felt like that was put into place just so he could get to the next part because then it was like well what what is he really battling where's where's the obstacle you know other than him just saying like whether i'm gonna go or not you know it's like there's no stakes essentially because like it was almost saying yeah he's gonna go um just because he's gotta go in order for us to get the plot moving to the next the next spot there was no there was no dilemma with him like it's just I, a, mecha- a mechanism to move exactly the plot because along. when I think about it as a writer, what's my dilemma? The character needs to be in a damned if they do position or damned if they don't, because then that creates much uh, stronger conflict and therefore more dramatic, um, or just drama. Because then you're 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 rooting for your character, but they have a shitty they have they have they're two opposing obstacles, two opposing <laughs> choices that how then you're like how are they gonna resolve it you know it's like if they do this they're fucked if they do this they're screwed um and that in that moment it just seemed like you know i need you to go and then he calls m 
and then he's kind of just looking outside Jamaica on his on his wonderful right <laughs> his, his wonderful palatial right, right, out in the right. middle of nowhere it's like yeah hey, I'm gonna go always it's beautiful like, <laughs> it's like really really um so just it was interesting but then when I saw it the second time I enjoyed it so much more than I thought I was going to and so that's why I'm really grappling with this movie because it had two distinct experiences for me one did not enjoy it but then the second time I really did and I think I p- picked up on a lot of those elements that you were talking about with Bond in that second movie you were more forgiving of those things but you're pointing out like legitimate like like flaws it's interesting to me because you know I'm talking about how I enjoyed those unknowns but I have, I mean, and this is, you know, I I think what I'm trying to, the thing that occurs to me based on what you're talking about with the thumb drive, with the toothbrush, with the DNA uh, and the virus based on DNA, I came into the movie, so with my own personal knowledge that him putting the thumb drive in and there being the antics that come from what's on the thumb drive and, and the the way that it affects Q's computer and whatnot. Yeah. Those, I took it for granted as a viewer that I can put together what's going on mm-hmm. in that moment. And in a way that's a pleasure for me subjectively Yes, as a viewer, I can, I'm, I'm a bit of a computer geek. I can go, Oh, like immediately my brain is putting these things together. And the same thing with DNA or, or having any, any, and I'm not in any kind of medical professional field, but I am adjacent to one. I'm married to a medical professional. So it, it, you t- I took it for granted, which I hadn't thought of until now, that that was, I'm doing some of the work that I'm not sure the writers are right to have assumed the audience was able to do. Because mm-hmm. I know, like speaking for my mother, who's a different generation of person and very very smart i had to explain that stuff ah okay right so i don't want to make it sound like i'm talking down to somebody who is not familiar with those things but in the i mean i distinctly remember in the theater going oh my mom was like what's going on and i had Mm, to sort of whisper over okay well there's like a virus on that thumb drive you know i'm having to explain what's going on and i take it for granted that i might that I'm able to fill in those gaps. And yeah. from a, from a writer's perspective, I did not even consider how that's a, a, a flaw. Yeah. In storytelling, really, in storytelling. Yeah. Right. Cause like the toothbrush and the, like somebody who has prior knowledge can come in or maybe they've seen enough movies. Maybe they've watched 12 monkeys 13 times. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like they have some idea of, 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 a, of the ability to put that story in and fill in those gaps where the writers, uh, but it's a lot for me to think that those writers were thinking of that or guaranteeing on that, right? That they're thinking, yeah. oh, the audience will know. They can't possibly have thought that. So you're right. It's probably a, a completely valid uh, criticism on them dropping the ball on some things that that they're just expecting the audience to be able to look past. But it's, I mean, what would you describe, like, from your point of view? Is that oversight? Is it laziness? Is it? Like, yeah, do I think? don't think it's it's very interesting because I've thought of a lot about it. I don't necessarily think it's because there was a, I think it's a combination of 
what my critiques have been with uh, big budget films, and especially with the Marvel, the MCU right now, is that because there's there's four credited writers on the on the film. Um, it's the director, and then Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She was brought in to right. tighten up the script a bit and punch up the dialogue, and then um, two uh, Bond staple writers that have done previous films. So it's it's not. I don't think necessarily a lack of talent or knowledge. I think it's just it's the it's the combination of. It's almost sometimes where it's. I kind of like it to engineering where you get these really smart people in a room sometimes and it's very easy to over engineer something, mm. you know, where they I like that. They are, they are in, in the industry. They know how the sausage is made, but you can get a little too clever and a little too, um, just a little bit too, too too polished you know or trying to be too polished or trying to do things a certain way and not realizing that keep it fucking simple you know uh distill it get down get down to just like the heart and the the meat and potatoes of it you know good southern parlance here is they're drinking their own kool-aid <laughs> right they're drinking their own kool-aid a little too much talking about how good and tasty it was yeah i i kind of I, I i it's interesting because it's changing my views of that those those uh plot mechanisms now you know yeah. because the thing is is like my, my my wife and i are sitting there and watching it and it's not like we don't understand it's not like we, we can't understand what's going on right you know no, you're you, right you've got you've got bond and you, you've got a film like tenet now there's a clear difference like <laughs> sure yeah. it's even to watch tenet and be like I, I don't know what the fuck is going on um yeah third viewing let me refer to my notes exactly <laughs> let me crack over the thesis um but you can understand what's going on, but then it not be clear of what the connectors are, you know, like there's a difference from it being technically sound and a difference between just kind of garbled. Um, and yeah. I think that's where this film fell in that for me, especially in that first viewing is it almost, it had, it was almost required a repeat viewing. For me yeah, to, I get to where you're coming from make now. the connections and say, oh, you know, I missed the toothbrush on the first time, you know, or I saw the toothbrush, but I didn't make the connection that that's what they were well, doing with the toothbrush. You? Why exactly. would you? And, the, and the, what's interesting to me is for such because the movie's long. Yeah. Which, yes, they, it's a long movie. It's like it's the a long bomb. movie. So it seems sort of ridiculous that they wouldn't, that that would happen at all. Yeah. If you have that much autonomy to make that length of a film. It, it would have been no issue to ask me to sit there for another uh, two to four minutes to help explain the toothbrush and the thumb drive so it was clear to everybody. You know, well, cut and, something and, else out that didn't need to be. Well, in there. there was a lot that could have been yeah. cut out. That didn't need. There was a lot. <laughs> uh, I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, as much as I love the film, there was a lot that could have been. Uh, left on the editing room floor in light of yeah. being able to make my mom understand what was going on and me not have to whisper as as clearly <laughs> as possible to try to get her on the same page. Uh, but you're 100% right. I, I didn't think of it before, but I'm with you on that. Yeah. I am with you now. And it's and I'm sure it's like your mom, it wasn't like, because it, it probably, it sounds like the exact same thing my wife and I were like, 
wait a minute. Like we under we could it's not like we didn't know what was going on, but the connection wasn't clear. We just didn't see the connection to what we were seeing. It it was almost like it was unclear what the film was showing us and what the writing was doing were almost at odds with each other. And without that connection, the the weird thing about the movie, because it is really long, is that there are major, most of the movie moves really quickly. Yeah. From spot to spot to spot. Yeah. And if you go, like me reflecting on it now, for somebody like my mom, you're right. I mean, it just moves so quickly past those things. Yes. That she really didn't know why things were happening that way. Yeah, but those connectors weren't clear. It's like, oh, clear. this was re- this is why this is getting to the next, why we're going from here to here because of this connector. Okay. Yeah, you're right, you're right on that. Uh, I had not thought of it before. It's funny because I'm already thinking in my head about how I'm going to go back to my mom <laughs> next time I see her and be like, I remember I just talked, okay, you know, I'm going to explain it. <laughs> and she's 100% going to agree with you because she found big points i mean multiple times in that movie where mm. where she had to sort of tug on my sleeve and ask me for clarity yeah and i think that was one of the elements that that was one of my questions was what elements did you feel the writers got right and what was off and i think that was a big case was the writers didn't make those clear connections it was just it was almost like yeah we got to get to this place we got to go to this place um, do you think that that comes from them assuming uh because i'm trying to be even keel about how i'm looking at it too from just the audience member and not having experience in the writing clearly because i didn't think about that until you brought it up but my mother is 83 and very sound very sharp but Mm -hmm. 83 that is still your audience and it, it makes me wonder if the writers are writing for want not writing for their full audience right not understanding that that demographic is huge huge you know you're talking a a 50 year spread of of ages of people and so there's no reason to expect a 75 year old person or an 80 year old person to go oh yeah thumb drive it's probably got a corrupt file on it you know like there's no reason for that person to know there might be more reason to for a 30 year old to know so it makes me wonder, yeah. like, who are they writing for? Like, who are they yeah, assuming I, is watching the movie? Well, and I think that goes back to the part of there there might be trying to be too clever or over-engineering, not realizing that... <laughs> Drinking just, their own Kool-Aid. Exactly. <laughs> distilling it to be a little bit more simpler. And it's not simpler. And again, I don't mean simple to be dumb. I just mean, like, clear. Cl- clarity. Yeah. Yeah, clear. I mean, clarity in what you're writing um, and then translating that to what you're presenting visually. And I think it's just, it's just, it's just, I think it's the machine sometimes. It's the machine that these big blockbuster films get crunched through where some of that nuance gets lost because of either you have multiple writers on it, you've got a big budget that's moving at the, the speed of sound, just trying to meet, you know, if their, their schedules are so condensed. Um, and then also to the risk taking, since you're, you're talking about a, a billion dollar franchise, there's certain risks that you're just not going to take. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I, it, it, I completely am on, on board with you. It doesn't make me, uh, change my feelings on that first viewing. Of course, I love that first viewing, but I yeah. completely think 
I, that did not occur to me on the m- multiple times I've seen the movie, but it does now to the point where I kind of want to go back and watch it with a more critiquing eye from that point of view, because well, I, think I think I would totally see the way. But I think like, you're, well, it's interesting though. It's like your perspective too is very valid as well when I was t- thinking about it, because I think that's why I was able to enjoy it more on that second viewing, because oh, then know. it's like, it, it almost like I understood the connections now. They made more sense to me because I had been, I had watched it on a second and then subsequent third viewing. And I was able to then really take in what some of the stuff that you were talking about, you know, like Bond's journey. What was, what was he displaying? Like what parts was he like showing his humanity and kind of like that his emotional, you know, back and forth and seeing him relate to some of the characters. Um, now instead of like yeah i was sitting there like trying to figure out how they got here to here and i missed some of that nuance because i was thinking about how the fuck they got here to here <laughs> yeah no but you know it's not again i would love I'm, I'm gonna go back and watch it uh again to kind of see be hard on my own uh opinions on it not not too hard but i it's, i'll still love it but i think you're right i think it's uh it's worth being able to go back and see those things with a critiquing eye and understand where um, maybe something that I enjoy, which is I referenced earlier that I like, I like movies that ask me as a viewer to do a little bit of work. Yeah. But I don't think that that's necessarily a good thing all the time or every time. And I hadn't thought about that until this conversation. Because I, I, whereas I enjoy it, I don't think it, you really doing the story and possibly the character, if it's a one-off movie where it's not a staple uh, yeah. or a figure like Bond, that's a different thing. And when it's somebody like Bond and, and using my, my lovely mom as a reference again, <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of feel like it, they, where they may have done something that I really enjoyed, they all in a, in many ways kind of did her a disservice because, I mean, there were multiple times in that in that theater where I was having to sort of help catch her up. And if you ask me right now if that's something that should be the case, I don't think it should be. Yeah, it and that's sh- what it shouldn't be. And that's what I think about a lot as I've been going through this process of trying to write this script is the audience. It's like, how is the audience going to see this and understand this? Am, am I being clear and concise? Wow. Am, yeah. am I, am I providing the information that's needed and then helping them take them on a ride? You know, like, are, are they going to enjoy it? Um, because they can re- either relate to it or wow. it, it makes fucking sense, you know? Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things too, when, um, I've talked with some, uh, friends that are writers is one of the one of the biggest greatest critiques that we ask for is like when you're when you're showing your your writings to other uh, people some of the the biggest question and for me it's like the biggest question it's it's not like um did you like it or did you not like it it's more of like did it make sense to you was there anything that you were confused about you know, those are the questions that I want to know, because then that informs where I can make my corrections. Like, yeah, this part happened. And I just I couldn't follow. I understand why why it happened or you know, such and such. Uh, those are the most 
valuable feedback a writer can get because that's informing them where some of the pitfalls might be. And that that's really hard. shines a light to how difficult writing is because of yeah. the unintentional fallout of marginalizing a a demographic of your audience. Because, I mean, that's kind of what – that is what we're saying. Because, I mean, really, that, that movie for me, it, referencing No Time to Die – uh, or even better, I'll do one better. You referenced Tenet earlier. I, I, can, I can tell you specifically, I have had a conversation with both my wife and my mother, knowing the kind of movie watchers they are, where they have asked me, hey, should I watch Tenet? <laughs> and I've gone, no, no, you probably shouldn't bother. It's very, it's going to be difficult for you to put together what the hell's going on. It's going to be confusing for you. I love the movie, yeah. But that that really that's got to be maddening. That's I, I hadn't again. I I'm not a, a writer, so I wouldn't have thought of it um, just by nature. But it really seems like a, a a labyrinth. You know, how can I make this clear to anybody who watches it? Yeah, and it's really difficult because obviously you can't account for every single variable. And there's probably some people, you know, like if I were to write a film, you might not like it because maybe it was too clear in the sense like you were saying, you didn't get to work a little bit, you know, to to kind of almost uh, I, th- I think I down. get like that. I get like that when I'm not clear on the motives of the character. Yes. The motives on the character will get me uh, frustrated, and yeah. or, or or if I think the motives are just uh, like a movie that I absolutely hate is I think it's called Closer, and it is like Natalie Portman and Clive oh, yeah. Owen. And man, I watched that movie and I left that movie angry. I left that movie so angry, angry for like an hour and a half, angry because I just couldn't identify with the motives of the characters at all. Yeah. And uh, that maybe is why, like, marginalized against somebody like myself, I couldn't, I just couldn't attach to that. So I I totally take your point. I totally take your point. I think you're absolutely right about that. So then, my question I'm very fascinated with how you felt Bond went through this journey because you you mentioned a couple of things about it. It was very moving for you, especially with this this idea of of sacrificing himself. Um, Yeah. What expound a little bit on that? if you're able to like what, what you got from him, like in this, this last trip that he took as bond. I think that I've always in view, like viewed bond as being a character where nothing was bigger in his eyes than himself. Mm. Um, and at, at really? least even, even the mission, even queen and country. Well, no, no queen and country. I, I get it, but I felt like that's synonymous with the, the agent, right? The uh, 007, the agent, that's, okay. that's the, what he's always living up to. And, and it's always, um, almost to a point where it's kind of a, uh, a trope in humor when they make a spoof of bond films, right? There's always mm-hmm. going to be a way that that character gets away or lives or survives. It, it, it's not loss, but sacrifice. I'm not talking about losing somebody that's important to them, even though they, they did do a great job with this arc of films following Daniel Craig's bond. Uh, you got to see more of that from the character. That's not unfamiliar. That's happened in other Bond uh, generations, different actors. But this one felt more, um, earlier movies felt more 
real. Like you can feel that loss. And that loss is what mm-hmm. drove him through these movies leading up to No Time to Die. The thing that stood out to me that I really enjoyed is that I thought, and I might be wrong here, I think it was a, at least for me, to some extent, unexpected and brave for them to bring Bond to, Daniel Craig Bond, to an end, to where he's facing his mortality and facing his demise in, and that's not what I expected. And I I find, mm. and I, I'm drawn, I mean, I'm I'm sort of sentimental on movies that, people do that you can call it falling on the sword or 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 just accepting the inescapability of death and that's yeah. not something that they have i find i would feel like that's really difficult to do with not only a, a great character but with what they've built we're talking 30 years of bond, right? What, what it's built on and the premises that it's built on to get it to a point where Daniel Craig is at a place where there is no secret spy submarine that he's going to find his way to at the last second, you know, and there's no, and the way that it's portrayed by Daniel Craig as an actor, um, the circumstance behind it, the acceptance that that character goes through where that's almost like he's embracing it. That's where mm-hmm. I felt moved. I felt really moved by that. And, um, and maybe that swung my approvals to, you know, all the standing ovation levels of, of satisfaction. It, I find those kind of, I found it to be brave and interesting and, um, I, I don't know. I could say a lot of things. You know, I, I want to say f- I'm fascinated by that kind of thing because it surprises me that a studio would go, yeah, do it. You know, and because and we already know as an audience that there's a new bond around the corner for any of them. There's always a new bond. And I mentioned three or four other bonds. You know, it's like it went from Connery to Craig to. Dalton to Brosnan to, you know, it, it's like, there's always a, you know, there's going to be a new series and and there'll be a, still a new series, but in none of those cases, uh, and maybe I'm misremembering, uh, certainly can be reminded that I don't remember there being this uh, nobility and mortality combined inside of that character. And, and that, that kind of, that, that really struck me. The imagery was beautiful too. I love the the was it a bunny? Was it the <laughs> yeah. bunny he's got in his belt, you know, and yeah. and he's just beat to hell and 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 weathered and and just the look on the man's the character's face, I felt was uh just beautiful, man. Beautiful film. Fascinating. And I really appreciate that perspective on it. And I I say that because I I almost had the the exact opposite reaction to that scene. And it's just interesting to hear that perspective because you know I can totally see see it, but I don't know how how to resolve it for myself because some of it I feel like it it diminished him in a certain way where hmm. 
it almost felt like the sacrifice maybe was empty. But hmm. I, I, I understand what you're saying about the character being able to express something that typically has never been able to express the nobility, the humanity. It was always just like the agent, the, um, the incomparable, you know, 007 who can't be harmed. He's, um, just this larger than life figure that will just live until the end of time. Um, but it was interesting. It was almost like kind of a letdown for me that the way they, and I don't know if it was because too, I might have a bias, especially with uh, Han Solo, this whole oh. life, where they're just like, <laughs> right, just right, kill right, them right. off, man. Just, they're so over it. They're so over the mythos. They're so over well, just how big it is. And they're just like, just kill me off. You know, just, just let me go out. <laughs> well, like, like, you know, taking Lassie yeah. out by the shed. The I old can letter, see that. The old, 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 well, well, <laughs> Yeller and like, just you know, the Han Solo thing is a good example, though, right? Like, because I, I think the the thing that got me was sort of the the fact that that he seemed like he was so burdened with the losses that he had had to bear that you would I just wouldn't have expected that particular version of Bond to ever get to a point. You see, mm-hmm. you know what I'm where where that was ever going to like it just didn't come across to me as what I would have thought even yeah. during the movie, that particular movie, but definitely the movies before it. And, and for sure, um, with the way that the bond franchise is operated, that just yeah. would not have predicted that. So the, I think the, the, the like shock and guffaw of like, Oh my God, they're actually going to do this. Yeah. They're actually going to kill them off. Oh my God. You know, like, and, and, and then the way they handle that now, I would have been really disappointed if that were like if the story had changed to where the uh the bad guy kills him and then the island gets destroyed by uh the artillery fire or whatever I think it was yeah. from, you know that would have been like oh well okay you know I would have been upset about it, it was it was really that couple of minutes that they they show him having to digest it and and giving it to him to say do it like i think yeah. it was and the, and i'm only speaking for myself i am certainly not uh i don't know enough about writing or or i i can like after this conversation i can completely see where that's uh i can understand where that would be a letdown but from my personal own stake and i i've totally admit to being a um sweetheart about that kind of thing right like you get oh, me yeah, to any yeah, movie yeah. like that where like the yeah. like the dead poet society where oh the old captain my captain moment yeah. i'm definitely like <laughs> just teary-eyed and crying over yeah, it you go, man. Right. <laughs> right you know so i really like that that sacrifice and that yeah. really you know for in a weird way it sort of gave him and i'm a hundred percent plugging in my own stuff here but for me, watching that moment made him that soldier jumping on the grenade. Yeah. Right? That that moment of inescapability that if I would have been asked about it before seeing the movie, I just wouldn't presume that Bond would be the kind of guy to go, yeah, I'm yeah. jumping on the grenade. I would expect him to say, no, I'm going to hit this button on my watch and the you know like i didn't i would not have expected that kind of sacrifice from any bond any bond 
Um, and then of course they tie it into his own, you know, about it being, so it kind of hits a bunch of buttons. Right. And then maybe that's just a, a trick on the way that they edited or write it, wrote it is, uh, he's doing it for himself. He's doing it for his family. He's doing it for God and country. He's doing it for the earth and for everything. And, um, I don't know, man. I had a note for me, and my and to be to speak from my my mother, who's been a an unwilling and unknowing participant in this <laughs> conversation. I mean, we were both sobbing, you know, and and felt the 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 gravity of it. And I think that's juxtaposed to everything we think we know about Bond. So it, maybe that was a, a trick or a, a, like a mechanism to get us there. Um, and if that's the case, it totally worked. Uh, I don't think it changes how we felt in that moment and the affection we had for that story, right? We came out exhausted because we, I think that's the, the, maybe the mind, uh, the, the head, uh, the head trick of it is that my mother and I came out of it feeling like we sacrificed something. You know, which we didn't, but we, you know what I'm saying? Like we, we totally felt like, Oh, we gave him up for the greater good, you know, <laughs> but it, yeah. it, that, that is, that is part of what I felt, uh, but I completely see what you're saying though. Like I can see what you're saying about it. Oh, and I see what you're saying too. Is like, obviously, you know, it had an effect on you and it me. if that was the writer's intent, then obviously that got through. But they um, knew Daniel Craig didn't want to make any more movies either, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that, well, I, I totally understand. Daniel Craig was giving him the wink, wink, nudge, nudge of like, hey, hey, you know what would be really great right here? Is if I can go out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> You're 100% right. <laughs> just have him on top, just looking up at the in the sky and just, yeah. This is starting to make me think of like Young Guns 2, right? Like they're all like, ain't nothing better than a group of pals, and they all go out in a blaze of glory. It's like Q Bon Jovi. (laughs) Totally just thinking the moment. That's totally funny, man. You're right. (laughs) And so, yeah, it just made me think of, you know, if there was a, a way, and I think that's probably why I'm grappling with the, the script that I'm grappling with is where does, you know, it's kind of one of my final question was like, where does Bond go from here? You know, then it's kind of like what you were saying is showing something that you didn't think that Bond could go to and being able to see that, that side. And well, on I, that end, I take so- your point, man. I, I don't know where they. I don't know where they go, regardless of how they change the character. If they make yeah. it a, 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 a British black female Bond, I, I don't know how you. I think you almost go back to what it has always been before this moment. I don't know that you can ever do this anytime soon again. Yeah, and I think that's probably why I wouldn't say. It, Again, it wasn't that I necessarily thought it was bad. I guess it was really interesting. Like, I've still been trying to grapple with it. Is, is Did I feel like it was a letdown? Because it, it didn't... What's the word I'm looking for? It didn't show me anything new about Bond. Hmm. Or was it that it didn't seem like it was earned? Maybe that's the better way to say it. Oh, wow. That the sacrifice wasn't earned. 
it was almost like they did it because it was like you were like you might I think mentioned was it was it was the trope to do like the I guess that's the only way I could best way I can explain it because I again I think it goes back to the writing where why so I had such big issues with WandaVision was her quote-unquote freedom from that that uh reality she created wasn't earned or that she got to walk off in the sunset but all the consequences that the other people that she enslaved had to experience there was no consequence for her actions um it was really maybe a little bit similar with bond it's like it is a rat. Did, it is a bow, right? It, it, you're right. His did his he make the choice because he wanted to make the choice, or was he almost co- coerced into making that choice because there was no other option? There you was know? no other option. No, you're absolutely right. It so does, was it does, that sacrifice really earned then? Because it was almost like he was just becoming more acceptance of quote unquote the mortality that he, it was almost like his the he, basically the luck had run out. He didn't go there. To, like, he didn't know that going there. You're absolutely exactly. right. It occurs. It, it That is uh, undeniable. It, it, it occurs there in that last few moments where, um, and everything I'm praising about that really isn't the writing. It's how that character and him as an actor displays his embracing of and that finality. And I'm wondering then if I would have That's felt what you felt if I felt that that was earned. You're right. You're right. Maybe like, I would have yeah. been like, holy shit, good for If he him. decided to go there knowing there was no escape. Yes. You're right. Hands down. I agree with you. I have to agree with you. I, I'm, I'm not taking away from the performance or the emotional moment of him as Me or the act character. Yeah. That's one thing. But you're right. As far as the writing and the way that they get him there, he doesn't know. And even to the very end, he's trying to escape. Yes. He's trying to bond his way out of it. And it's you're accurate. And and then that from that perspective, it's worthy of criticism. Really. Because then when I when you see, oh, Bond will return, for me it felt a little comical. It's like, what are you talking about? You just killed him off. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Well, like, but if yeah. I'm sitting there wiping yeah. tears from his eyes and he's like, How is Bond gonna don't give up on the franchise. Don't we still need your money. Me. We're going to bring you some more content. You know, I wonder if I would have been a little. Yeah, I would have wonder if I would have been a little bit more gut punched. It was like, how is he going to come back? Yeah, if he knew, so if he knew this was a one way ticket, and he didn't. I mean, cl- he didn't. Clearly. He didn't until that end when he got he basically he got he got bamboozled essentially. It was like, yeah. oh, I cut you. You got you got the fox die in you now. Yeah, no, you're 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 right on, uh, and uh, it really tells you how in the bag I was uh, emotionally. Oh, they had to, you, man. They, they had, had me. Line and sing they it. had me. I was just like I was completely like halfway. Yeah, I was in the sappy part of it. Like he said, "Yeah, for oh, honor." God. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're totally you're right. I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker. Again, it was they could have just said, "Oh, captain, my captain," and they would have just had me. You're a hundred percent right. And they could cue right. the, the, the Bon Jovi music <laughs> right as you yeah. up the stairs in a blaze of glory. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, it it totally uh, it, it almost it's funny to me because it makes me think of that moment of uh, 
uh, a total like look uh, and, and evidence to the other things that you referenced, like the thumb drive, like the toothbrush. It, it's a plot mechanism, quite likely, right? That the that they put there yeah. at the end, and and they pull on the heartstrings, and mine were just ripe and thick, ready for pulling. And uh, and I totally went in, and I and I I tell you, I'll probably watch it more several more times and I'll still get sentimental, but I'll be more aware of those shortcomings and, and they're kind of indefensible. They are shortcomings. They are. I mean, they're just, they are, he does not know it's a finality for him. And by the time he does know, I mean, I guess what, what else could have happened besides writing it to where he handles it the way he does. I mean, it would not have been a good movie if he's like, God damn it. I can't believe it. No, why? Where's my blood stuff? They fucked me. They totally fucked me. Yeah, it would have been. It would not have been a good movie. Uh, he almost tries to bond his way out too when he calls Q, and he's almost saying like, "Hey, uh, you sure there's not a way out of this?" Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, man. He is. He's like, "Uh, well, I guess I better handle this gracefully because there's a camera in my face." Yeah, and I'm on so the let phone. Me, let me just put this bunny in my belt line here and make it look good, you know. I and and I bought it. I bought it. I bought it. Like guilty. And yeah, I don't. I don't discredit like uh, Daniel Craig. Like I totally agree with you too. I felt like it was some of his most emotional and humanistic, you know, bond. Uh, I got caught done. in the performance of it. I really did. Well, he, I, and he did I was a good not... job. I felt I was. I was really feeling for him. I did. He hit some great moments, like you were saying, that where you just kind of like he's got that look in his eye, and you're just. But like, it, it beckons the question for me: Is it fair to? Like, I almost feel like if I were to have a question with Daniel Craig, it would be, do you have, like, beef with the writers for putting it on you to save the script, to save that writing? Like, because in a sense, you'd have to know he'd be aware of it, right? I wouldn't be surprised if he agreed with the points that you're making, you know, where they would have had to do a lot more work to not use these mechanisms to move the plot along or or, uh put him in that situation to make it seem like he knew he was embracing it before he ever goes that's that's the wonderful unknowable question that i have i think when i see a lot of films you know how much of 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 control especially for somebody in his position who's you know is bond and this is his last film, and it's obviously built relationships with the people that are kind of steering this ship. And how much say he did, or if he didn't see it either, you know, if or if he was just unhappy about it going in and knew I'm just going to put out this great performance and and hopefully, it'll yeah, work. maybe because I feel like a lot of times that's what happens where the the script is the script and there's too many cooks in the kitchen or you don't want to necessarily, or why there's quote unquote creative differences, you know, because the, well, and that's what happened, right? Danny Boyle, he was, he was the one that was going to initially direct the film. And then I think he wrote a draft or whatnot. And they said, no. (laughs) Yeah. It really does seem like the, the, like he, it's, it's understandable. And believable to me that he would be like, I've got to perform in a way that's true to the way I see Bond going out, even if it's not what the writers have put together for me. 
Yeah, because it's like it's it's you gotta especially too again how much sway did he have you know especially wow. at that point um, and wow yeah it's very and it's very fascinating to me like how that process works and obviously I I don't have any experience in it yet directly so a lot of it is just kind of what I pick up from you know other tales and I'm stuff so interested to see this movie again you've cracked my brain <laughs> wide open bro I'm serious I'm gonna be pointing this stuff out tomorrow but. <laughs> You see, like my conversation is going to be totally different if my mom and I watch it again. I'm just going to be shaming her. I'm going to be like, "We're both such suckers. We're such softies. We totally bought it. So funny." Because I mean, too, like, what? Look at the the villain. You know how how much of the short end of the stick he got. It was like the, the villain has always been such a problem with these big blockbusters. Yes, it's yeah. just it was just. Talk about a plot point. He was literally just in there for a plot point. Had no development. Had no sense of urgency or threatening menace. It's just, you know, you're uh, you're starting to really pull this together in a way where I'm looking at the actors as having saved the movie. I mean, a lot truly, of times they do because like, like Rami Malek is an incredible actor. Yes. Christoph Waltz is an incredible actor. It they, feels like those guys were all all on the same page like we got to do we got to deliver we got to deliver because if we don't there's going to be a lot of criticism if they had done anything less than a great performance it would have been terrible and see that that also i think also shows how talented they are because even al pacino can't save a terrible script you know but they can they can make it seem where it's not the train wreck that it might actually be they Man. can pass it off as something that oh that that, was, that wasn't bad that wasn't bad or or it was like oh that movie was terrible but fucking Al Pacino was great <laughs> right well yeah no 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 you, yeah. you make a strong point man I mean it, it's it's interesting because I'm I'm telling you I, I won't say that I'll love the movie less but I'll definitely look at it again and be <laughs> like this is Tony, tell me about this. <laughs> I'm in class right now. I'm in class right now. I'm going to go back and sound like I know what I'm talking about when I watch it with somebody else. Watch. I'm going to say well, things think, like plot points. Though, and t- <laughs> well, it's hard, though, now because I feel like it's kind of like, yeah, when you know this, how the sausage is made, it's difficult for you to just kind of enjoy certain things. Anymore. Right, which like, just makes sense from what you were saying. You watched it the first time. I, I, I understand more of what you're saying now where it's really difficult for you to watch a movie the first time through and not be able to pick apart where they didn't deliver on the writing side. Yeah. And I think too, also obviously I have a bias because I like the franchise and the character so much. It's, it's more devastating to me because I want it to go places where I don't think it can or, I'm just, I want, it's like, I want the best for it. You know, like I want it to do well. I want it to be great. And can it be argued that the writers know that about the audience and know that that's going to do them some favors maybe? Yes. But then you get Star Wars Force Awakens. (laughs) (laughs) Then you get something. Then that's my point with the MCU specifically is that then you can't, you don't take a risk anymore. The reason why Iron Man worked so well was because it had never been done before. So and they, they had didn't to go know all if in. it was going to work, right? They didn't know it was going to work. For them, it was like, we got to do everything we can to make this just a great film, not cater to an audience. We just got to make it the best film we can possibly can. 
And then it's become too big. It's been too big to fail. Now they can't take that same risk because not without it being a new IP, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Or can't. not not without because because it's there's too much invested in it now. There's too much like with Iron Man, yeah, it was in an expensive movie still, but it wasn't a it wasn't hinging on a billion dollar franchise. We gotta get and, together and talk about Moon Knight and see what you think about that. I'd love to because we just need to talk about the television series as a whole, whether it's WandaVision or Moon Knight or Loki or I'd love to get your input on those when we have another. Uh, yeah, like something else to talk about, because those are those I'd love to get your input on the writing on those. I, yeah, I really a lot love. of I think that's my my criticism a lot is that they just they're not taking the risk anymore. Uh, that's why I find it when I look back, and I'm going to rewatch them again soon, is I look back on the Russo brothers and what they did with the Infinity War and the Infinity Gauntlet is just mind-blowing to me. Because if you go back and watch those two movies, what they were able to accomplish with those two movies, I don't know if it ever can be done again. Well, that's because my phrase, too. I don't know they were able to take risk with that movie while still make it a good movie, but cater to a, a wider audience. And that is just it's it's near impossible to do because you have to have all the right. You have to have the, the stars aligned perfectly. You have to have the right uh, directors. That's why Star Wars has had a hard time with getting talented directors because they all run up against the executives who are like, no, 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 no you can't do that. You gotta stay. You gotta stay safe. Well, you can't take risk, right? You gotta deliver. Exactly. Down. Yeah, I, I completely see where you're coming from. I do, and I, I and with Marvel, my my only thing I'll say, just specifically to those those last two Avengers movies, is that's the only movie going experience I've ever had, where I, I mean, the energy in the room was like yeah. we were at a concert. Electric. It was, I mean, the sadness, everybody was just in the gutter, the excitement, like when, when Steve Rogers picks up Thor's hammer, people stood up with their hands in the air, like an overtime touchdown was scored in the Super Bowl. Like it was insane. It was yeah. just insane. And I don't know if I'll ever feel that again, but that is also my my big uh you know their roller coaster rides and the theater delivers on that you don't get that from the screen at home yeah you just do not and just like you know what they're able to do with the risk of killing off half of the mcu and then specifically an end game where they basically they kill off Thanos right in the beginning and you're just like whoa like here's again, here's a return of my mother here for you in in uh infinity war which is filmed very much like a horror movie. Mm -hmm. There is towards that last 10, 15 minutes of the movie where Thanos is just stalking everybody one by yeah. one that my mother, we watched this at home with her. I, I, they were great. They, her and my stepfather were great sports about going through the entire MCU catalog up to those movies. My mother at a point in that movie had to stop. <laughs> I mean, was so caught up in that moment emotionally 
that she just stopped. She was like, I have to stop. I can't do it. I can't do it. No. She was literally, <laughs> literally, cli- like, not screaming, but like pleading no to the movie. Yeah. You know? No, no, no. And I was like, okay, let's stop. And we had to go yeah. back and watch the last 20 minutes later, you know? And I, I feel like that's a great, to me, that was a, a example of great movie making. And much yeah, like amazing. No Time to Die, you know, seeing her put finality to that character was special. And it was yeah. for me too. I know we're criticizing the writing rightfully so, which I wasn't aware of prior, but um, kudos to Daniel Craig. I mean, it delivered on an experience that yeah. was emotional and I felt like I was there with that character. And I think that, you know, I didn't, I wouldn't have said this before, but after uh, truly being like mind blown by you and your expertise on this, it, it seriously feels like more credit has to be given to his performance. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think he was one of the phenomenal, phenomenal bond. Definitely brought a lot to that character for sure. Brilliant, man. Oh, I appreciate you stopping by, hanging out with me and chatting. Anytime. 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 Any movie, any show, I'm ready to learn. Teach me, Pat. Teach me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready to be a Padawan. Well, I think probably why it's it's good. Like, it it, it kind of sains me a little bit, like, because I've been banging my head off this Bond script for fucking years. But it's like... It just makes me feel a little bit better. Like, yeah, this shit is fucking hard. So I'm not, I'm not just being ridiculous. Like I'm trying to find the angle to make it, you know, on that level of a, of an end game or an infinity war. Cause you know, I want to, I want to see the stories that I want to see from bond. And I'm, yeah, it's, it's, how, how well, do you you're do literally trying to, I mean, I, I kind of see it as you're trying to create this universal appeal and that's just, I mean, is there a more impossible task? I mean, especially with so many things being subjective. It, yeah. Not that it's better or worse, but if you're talking about the exposure and and wide appeal or uh, embracing from a wide audience, I mean, you're trying to fit so many different perspectives and to be clear to so many different ways of perceiving a story. That yeah. if you miss out on something, and I mean, it really stands to reason that if you have that kind of budget for something like Bond, and mm-hmm. you're not clear about something like the toothbrush, yeah. or you're not clear about something about the uh, thumb drive, and you you don't have him really starting to go through the process of embracing, embracing the finality of it earlier on in the storyline, and you're just using those plot mechanisms, man, I mean, it is hard and complicated more complex what uh, my favorite like it might be simple to say i want it to appeal to a wide audience but that's not easy that is not that is a multifaceted like giant rubik's cube like it's a it's 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 that seems a gargantuan task and uh you seem like you're up for it man because you're able to pick apart things and and know where they are falling short in a, in a way that I have learned from in the last 90 minutes. Like, really. <laughs> well, and I think that's key what you said, because I think what you're talking about is universal. So you, again, that's why it's like, I think sometimes writers will get, try to be too clever or get too clever and over engineer and not think about what is universal. 
And I think that's why when you think about in the Daniel Craig era, why was Skyfall, I think Skyfall edges out Casino Royale just a bit, I think, as like everybody's favorite Bond. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, for sure. And when you think about it, why? And I think one of the tenets of it was because of the relationship between him and M at that at that moment. It, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that's why some of it was lost for me in the subsequent movies is the relationship. And I think that's probably why also his, you know, quote unquote sacrifice didn't hit as much for me is because what was it in relationship to? That's why I think that M's death hit everybody so hard. And especially Bond is because of that universal, the universal aspect of that. People could easily relate to that. Um, that was and so right. that's kind of like what I'm thinking about. I have, an, I have an idea in it in, I think, for my script. But I think that's because of the key that I'm keying in on is a relationship of a character that he has in the film. And so I'm hoping that's what's going to make it universal because people would be able to easily relate to that. Well, and also, like I said earlier about something I struggle with, it gives you such uh, ability as a audience, uh, as a viewer, to identify with what's driving that character, yes. what the motive is. Yes. And yes. without that, or if that's confusing, or if you wonder why, you know, that, that can take away from great yeah. writing or great story for me. Because you're, then you're wondering why. Why am I yeah. watching this character? What's, what's I so can't important? answer that question. Unless, the, unless that's given to you, you can't interject your own thoughts into it. You can exactly. You just can't. Yeah. You're waiting for that. And if it's not there, man, I, I mean, I, I have a hard time letting go of some of those frustrations going back to that horrible movie uh, <laughs> closer. <laughs> I mean, I was upset for like two and a half hours. <laughs> angry. angry. I was angry. I was like, I, and I, have, I had a friend of mine who loved it. And I was like, are you just a shitty person because you identify <laughs> with these shitty people or like help me understand? And she couldn't. Right. And of course it yeah. wasn't fair for me to ask of that of her, but it was, it was more like, I just, again, it was not clear to me why they were doing what they were doing. Yes. And and I'm with you. I think that is almost more important to me than almost anything is, yeah. is knowing. Cause even with the stuff we've picked apart with bond, I kind of knew why he was there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, wow. Dude, thank you for having me. This was fun thank really you. fun really great thank you, triple c it's been a pleasure um and thank you dear listeners you've been listening to ruminations on tony's tall tales a production of ruminations radio network please take this moment to subscribe rate review our, uh, our show and i would love to connect with you on social media at tony's tall tales visit www.ruminationsradionetwork.com for additional great shows such as uh triple c's um, brevity box retro futurist culture cinephile hissy fit oh, oh, man. oh god it hurts man he's They've been all great. So Ruminations of Red Room. Uh, Thank you, Mitch. So good. <laughs> Thank you, Mitch. And then for all your burning questions and passionate feedback, drop us a line at ruminationsradio at gmail.com. Cheers. Later, guys. Later.